With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. How difficult has your life been up to now? Have you given a voice to the difficulties? It's time to break the silence. Temporary difficulties end and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. You are listening to the Patricia Adams Live radio show where we discuss life's difficult topics. Stick around. everybody welcome we hope to enlighten your mind and lighten your heart with each episode as we talk over difficult life topics help you find your voice and discover that there is life after difficulties if this is your first time listening thanks for coming come back often and feel free to add the episode to your favorite rss feed or itunes follow us on twitter at pat adams live and the show's website, patriciaadamslive.com. All contact links are in the show notes, and the MP3 will be available after the episode for downloading. Now, let's get into the show. Tonight, we commemorate the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. I have a dream speech by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his sacrifice of his family and his life. And because of this movement, Patricia Adams Live is possible, and we are able to share this broadcast moment in history again today, August 28, 2013, commemorates the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. Thank you, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Thank you to the King family members who are remaining. God bless and keep you all as you continue in your various paths and calling in life, we have not forgotten. Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream speech excerpt that was delivered 
August 28, 1963, at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Started out with this particular part of uh, the excerpt. It says, and when this happens and when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, and he goes on to say, can sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, free at last. I found a compilation of this song online, and it is not the traditional version of this song, but I still wanted to play it um, at this particular point in the show. So here is this song. It's a Negro spiritual, and it's entitled Free at Last. So we have not all come to this mountain to sing Kumbaya. We have not all come to this point in history to sing Kumbaya. We have not all come to this point in time and space to sing Kumbaya. But we have come to celebrate and to commemorate this day in history. Thank you, Dr. Martin Luther King. We are free. We are free. And we're making progress.
free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. I don't know if you can remember where you were on this day 50 years ago. I can. Um, I also can remember watching it on black and white television. I can remember seeing my family members around the TV set. I can remember the tears in their eyes. And most of all, I can remember how I felt. I remember the emotion of looking at all of those people standing for that length of time, for all those people standing close together. There were black people, white people. There were people from all walks of life gathered at that particular point in time at the Washington uh, Monument, and there came this man, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., to deliver a moving speech, a very moving speech. And I was a child, and I remember the power of his speech. I remember the voice. I remember the tonation of his speech and how powerful it was and how it affected me. So as I grew up, I memorized that speech, and people would ask me to perform that speech. I performed that speech at um, church. I performed it in plays. I performed it at school. And for years, I had the words of that speech committed to my memory. And I wanted to, every single time that I recited it, every single time that I performed it, I wanted to deliver it with as much power and as much conviction and enthusiasm as he had on that day. Even though I was a little girl, I still wanted to deliver it to the point that people would be moved and would be touched. I wanted to invoke that same feeling of the people who were listening to me reciting that speech that he had invoked in me as a little girl as I listened to him deliver that speech. And I don't know why I understood what he was saying. I I totally understood what he was saying. I got what he was saying because I was still in that period where um, there was this barrier, there was this the white, the black, um, whites only, black, you know, colors only uh, areas, things that you could only do. I remember going to have my picture taken with Santa Claus at a downtown uh, shopping center, a well-known shopping center in the city that I grew up in. And I got ready to follow the line, and there was a line that was forming, and it was going through the front door. And I lined up behind the kids that were headed towards the front door, and I was summarily dismissed and was pointed to the back door. And I was turned around, and I kept looking back, wondering why those little girls were going through the front door, and I had to go through the back door. And when we got into the shopping center, we went through, I remember going through the back door, and the back door basically was passing through the shipping and the loading dock area. I still remember that. And when we got in, we had to stand away from 
the the white girls and kids that were waiting to sit in Santa's lap, and Santa uh, was white. And so every person that was not white had to wait until all of the white children were seated on Santa's lap and had the pictures taken. So then it was time for the little uh, colored children, black children, whatever, you know, they called us colored at that point for us to come up. And so when I got up to my turn, I looked at him and he looked at me and immediately I started crying because there was something about him that made me uncomfortable. And even though I had seen all the other children sitting on his lap, there was just something in his eyes that made me very uncomfortable. And I remember sitting on his lap with tears in my eyes, and I looked in his eyes, and then I looked at his face, and I pulled his beard. And it came down, and he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. And I still had to sit and pose for that picture. And I felt like, you know, this can't be Santa Claus. This can't be real. And to this day, I still have that photograph. And you see me with tears in my eyes in this photograph because I am, like, having such an emotional time of sitting in this man's lap that allowed me to have to wait until everyone who was not of my color sat on his lap and took his picture. And then when it was my turn to take my picture, he didn't seem that happy to be with me nor me with him. So I still have that picture and I still have that memory. And, again, I still remember going to, um, I believe it was called Woolworths uh, downtown in the city that I grew up in. And they had, like, the counter, the restaurant inside of the store. And I was hungry, and I walked in, and, you know, my mom was with me. And immediately I saw the food, and I smelled the food, and I ran, and I jumped up towards the counter on one of the bar stools, and I asked to see a menu because I could read at that point, and I believe I was about five, and I wanted to order something. I, I wanted to order, like, grilled cheese and fries and a Coca-Cola. That's what I thought, I believe, and I remember that I wanted and the waitress behind the counter and the people at the counter looked at me like, what are you doing? And she looked at me, and then she looked back at my mom, and my mom was like, come away from there. And I'm like, but I'm hungry. Why can't, you know, I get something to eat? And I didn't understand why I couldn't get anything to eat um, at that counter. So I was talked down from the counter. And I went with my mom, and we started, uh, you know, shopping in the store. And I kept looking over at the people at the counter, and I kept looking at my mom, and, you know, she wouldn't explain why I couldn't get anything to eat at that counter. And I just remember having this feeling that after that day, I never wanted to set foot in a store again. It just was something about it of, like, you know, I don't want to ever come in here again. So um, we went on from there, and then I remember another episode, I probably was about six, and I was sitting out in the car um, waiting for uh, my mom to come out of the grocery store, and in the meantime, there was a man and his daughter, and this was a white father with a white daughter walking past the car, and I had the car window down, and she called me the N-word. 
And I looked at her, and I looked at him, and he smiled as, as I guess, obviously, now looking back at that, he must have told her to say that to me. And I sat there with tears in my eyes because even though I didn't know what that word meant, the way that she said it and the way that she looked at me and the way that her father looked at me, I knew it was nothing nice. So I felt as if someone had cursed me out. And I sat there and I just cried. And then when uh, my mom came and she got in the car, she asked me why was I crying. And I told her why. And I could tell that she was upset, but at the same time, there was no recourse. It wasn't like, you know, my mom went in the store to find the man and his little girl and say, hey, you know, you call my daughter an end, da-da-da, you know, uh, why did you do that? Nothing like that. I mean, we got um, pulled away from the curb, and I sat there crying and looking back. Um, as we pulled off, waiting for this man and this little girl to come back out of the store, and they didn't. And I felt at that time, again, there was a sense of injustice. There was a sense of unfairness. There was a sense of uh, nobody sticking up for me at that point, but not realizing that the danger of them sticking up for me, what danger it would put us all in, but it was just like, you know, why didn't you go and chew them out? Why didn't you tell them? It was just like, why didn't um, you stand up? and not make me go through the back door to go sit on a fake Santa's lap. Why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? And then um, I remember getting on the bus and having to go and sit on the back of the bus. Mind you, we paid the same fare as everybody else that was on the bus, but we had to go all the way to the back of the bus. And I I remember those things, and and I remember the stares and the jeers and the sneers. And... So when this man was delivering his speech, I remember how moved I was by what he said when he said, you know, uh, little black girls and uh, little white boys and little black boys and little white girls and all of God's children would be able to sit and to join and hold hands and be together and sing, you know, that we were free. And and I remember that, and it was like, you know, it um, doesn't matter if you're black or you're white. It didn't matter whether you were Gentile or Protestant or a Catholic. That we were going to be able to join hands and sing the old Negro spirits were free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. And I remember in church we would sing free at last. We would sing that song, and then, you know, um, as the years went by, obviously we would still sing that song, but it kind of got jazzed up a little bit from the traditional version of the song. And somewhere inside of me, I remember again at the point where uh, the assassination started occurring. And, I mean, we had like, you know, three that seemed as if they were days apart for me because the concept of years had not quite, um, I guess, become something that I understood about time and space, because when the assassinations occurred of um, President John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and Edgar Evers and Robert Kennedy, all those things to me seemed as if they happened days apart, like they happened one day, 
one was killed the next day, the other one was killed, and and it was devastating to my mind to see the pictures because they would show the pictures and uh, the images. And I remember when uh, President Kennedy was killed, and I remember um, because I was watching it on TV. I was standing in the room, and I was watching it on TV, and I kept saying, Mommy, Mommy, who is this man with this big head of hair? And then all of a sudden, boom, his head just seemed like it just exploded. And, his, you know, I, I saw his, his, the top of his head just flopping and, and him dropping over into his wife's lap, and she's in hysterics. And, and I'm standing there, and my mom had been in the kitchen cooking, and so we had the volume up, and everybody, she was just so happy, and she was so excited that he was in Texas. And I remember saying, Mommy, the man with the big hair. I said, something's wrong with the man with the big hair, Mommy. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she came and she stood and she watched the TV. And that's as the news said, you know, that he had been shot, that he had been assassinated. And it was like shot, assassinated. And when I saw the blood on his wife's dress that she was, and just in horror, I, I stood in horror. I mean, I was a young child, and so I witnessed that. And then I remember when uh, Dr. King was assassinated, and I remember them showing that on TV and the blood and them holding his face. And I remember standing there and looking up on the rooftop where they kept saying that the shot came from. And I was like, somebody find this person, you know, who would do something like this? And I was like... I was devastated by that. And then I remember seeing his daughter, Bernice, um, laying in her mom's lap, her head in her mom's lap. And I felt like I was her. I felt like I was that same little girl. And I was sharing in her pain. I was sharing in her thoughts. And I was sharing in what she must have felt. And I, I could only think of is that, you know, this man meant something to me, too. And I wasn't sure exactly of what it was that he meant, but I knew he meant something to me. And it was important to me that he was alive and, and that he would be alive. It was important to me that President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, would be alive. And then it was important to me that Robert F. Kennedy would be alive. And it was important to me that Megan Edwards would be alive. And it was important to me that Malcolm X would be alive. And I couldn't figure this out. And I thought, why in the world are these people being killed? And then... It was like they're being killed because we want to be free, because we want equality. Um, so I grew up carrying that inside of me, and, and I do believe that that is one of the things that influences me even to this day to strive to give all that I can give and, and be the best that I can be of my own self. It's like besting myself. It's important to me. And the fact that I'm here on blogtalkradio.com uh, is that we're, we're out here, black, white, rich, poor, um, men, women, Jew, Gentile, Protestant, Catholic. I mean, we're out here. We may not be sitting at a quote-unquote official table joining hands and singing free at last, but we are representing a monumental amount of freedom, to have the freedom of speech, to have the freedom to assemble, to have the freedom to communicate and to talk about um, different topics on the air where before this 
could have very well been for whites only. So I know that we have not fully arrived based on, you know, what's going on in the country, based on what's being reported in the newspaper, but we've come a long way. Do we have work to do? Yes, we do, but we've come a long way. And so for all of those who died so that the country could see its heart and soul and make a change um, and to want to do better and to want to not be inhumane to other people who are part of humanity, I am... I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And and I still have this sadness when I think about the price that this freedom cost us, the the blood that has been shed um, from all of the wars, from all of the civil wars, from, from, from every war that we fought for the right of religious freedom, for the right of civil freedom, for the right to vote, for the right to do and say what you want. Um, in a free society, all of the people who have laid down their lives, um, willingly or unwillingly, um, the assassination even of uh, President Lincoln. I mean, all of the people who have been martyrs for the cause of freedom and liberty and justice for all. To all of those um, tonight, I just want to say thank you to the uh, children, to the generations, of these individuals who are left behind, um, I just want to say that um, I remember. I remember, and I remember the day very clearly. I remember the day very well. I remember his assassination. I remember the funeral. I remember the events that followed and preceded, and I watched it on television, watching his uh, children, watching his wife, watching his, his mother and his father, and everything. I remember that, and to... That family, Dr. King's family, all of those who are remaining, I simply want to, again, say thank you. Um, I'm grateful to you as a family for making the ultimate sacrifice that you made. Even when he was alive, you were, you were, you were sacrificing. Um, so I just want to say thank you uh, to the Kennedy family. I want to say thank you. Um, to the Mega Everest family, I want to say thank you. To the Lincoln family and to all of the Civil War veterans, to all of the war veterans, to all of the people who have given up their lives in the cause of freedom and justice. And it has been um, a generation. This is 50 years ago, and they say that 40 years is in a generation. That's time enough for an infant to be born uh, for that infant's mother, for that infant's maternal grandmother, and um, that infant's maternal great-grandmother. Forty years is from a generation. So this has been 50 years. So it's a generation and a decade ago that we had this march on Washington and we went through all of this transition and all of this change. We are today. August 28, 2013, 50 years, retrospectively from August 28, 1963. And tonight, 
you have been a part of history as I have been a part of history, and I would be remiss not to say and to produce the show tonight. And once again, um, God bless America. America, bless God. Because we have so much to be grateful for. And I am signing out. This has been Patricia Adams Live on the Patricia Adams Live radio show where we discuss life's difficult topics. You take care. God bless. Keep. And hope that you will come and join us again. And just remember, what happens to you may be beyond your control, but how you respond to what happens to you does make a huge difference. Good night. My book, A Child's Rights Violated, Her Terrors and Traumas, shares my voice to my childhood difficulties. And my other books share my voice of response to my childhood difficulties. Find links in the show notes or go to PatriciaAdamsLive.com to be taken to online retailers. If you are in distress currently and need immediate help, call 911. And you can also reach out to the National Hotline for Child Abuse at 1-800-4-CHILD. 24-7 crisis counselors are available. As we close the show, remember... Temporary difficulties end, and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. Tweet about the show on Twitter at Pat Adams Live and comment to our Facebook page at the bottom of the show page. Follow us on the show page to receive notices of the next airing. If you have questions, comments, want to be a guest, topic requests, let me know. Fill out the contact form on PatriciaAdamsLive.com. Thanks for listening. That's the show. Until next time, take care and watch for more from the Patricia Adams Live Show. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 